0: Welcome to the NFL Draft. So it's
1: Welcome to draft season, episode one of this draft cycle. I'm your host today, Joe Bellick, joined as always with my guys, Dylan Price and Michael Megan. James Koontz is off running with the Bulls over in Spain and couldn't be with us today. So shout out to James. And as always, to the founder of draft season, Die Osorio, who is always with us in spirit. And speaking of spirits, the football gods have shined some light upon us. Believe it or not, it's the first time in almost a decade where the Jets are relevant in the month of November. So mock drafts have been put to the side for the time being with hopes of a playoff berth. Yes, we are still alive, Michael Meegan. I see you back there. Well, actually, I don't see you. But despite the debacle we saw at Gillette this past Sunday, we are still in a playoff hunt. So some of you out there might think it's a little early for draft season, and I can understand that. But still, it's you know never too early to talk about how to make this team better And look to the future about prospects that could help this team improve, especially when your young quarterback appears to be the one position or player holding your team back. Today is a very special day for us at draft season. We have one of the most respected analysts in the draft community with us. Dane Brugler of The Athletic is here. As you all know, Dane has one of the most anticipated draft guides in the market, and he's definitely a favorite of ours here on the draft season pod. Dane, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show.
2: No, I appreciate that intro. Uh, I, you know, uh, awesome to be on with you guys. It's uh, it's fun time to be a Jets fan, right? I mean, it's usually at this time of year we're talking about who they're gonna take with the number three pick or you know whatever uh, wherever they end up picking. But now it's uh borderline maybe draft uh, or maybe playoffs, and so that really shakes things up. And so it's uh, that's pretty cool for Jets fans.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a little different, you know, happy about it. It's been a very long time since we've had a wreck, a winning record. So to be in this position, it's cool, but obviously, you know, there are some things going on with our quarterback. So I guess we could kind of just jump right into that. You know, we all saw what happened at Foxborough this past weekend and apparently Zach Wilson might not even start this week. So quarterback is definitely going to be a hot topic for the foreseeable future amongst our fan base and, and the media for that matter. So, We all know you like Zach Wilson, the pre-draft process, as many did. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about him now? And essentially, do you think he's the quarterback of the future for the Jets?
2: I'm not sure how you could have a ton of confidence right now uh, to say that. But, you know, it's it's a it it really is something where you want to give him more time. But like we've been talking about, this is a team ready to compete. And so. You know what how do you distinguish more time compared to what's best for the team um and that's something that you know that's it it falls on the head coach he's got to look at the rest of the, uh all those guys in the locker room and say you know what this is what we're doing for the best of the team Now, does that mean to keep putting zach wilson out there and hope he works his way through it or do they feel like there's a better option on the roster and you know it's um I would like to see Zach Wilson keep starting just because I want to I want to see if he can dig his way out of it. You know, we've seen a lot of young quarterbacks struggle. And you know, Zach Wilson's uh, you know, his two years, he's he's battled injuries. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna make excuses for him. Like plenty of this is on him, and you know, he needs to improve. It's just you know, the when you quarterback is so such a tough position to evaluate because when you get to the next level and you talk about NFL speed different guys deal with it in different ways it takes for some guys it takes a while to catch up to NFL speed and so for a guy like Zach Wilson I think it's not that that he's not smart enough or he doesn't have the skills he has those things it's just I I think it's really a matter of understanding when to linger and when to get through progressions understanding what the defense is trying to do and And he's just has not seen enough NFL football yet to really be in a a spot where he's comfortable doing that. So, uh, you know, there, there are times where based on his pre-snap reads, he needs to understand, okay, I need to linger on this particular read or I need to go quickly through it to get to my third, fourth read uh, in the progression. So that's just, he's not comfortable right now doing that. And that's something that is you're only going to get better with reps. And so I would like to see him keep going at least another week, You know, see how he does against Chicago, Um, you know, and and if he doesn't show improvement, then I think you really have that conversation about, okay, there's a better option out there for us uh, on the roster. But, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely it's been disappointing to see because and, and look, this isn't like a Jets thing where oh the Jets reached and they took Zach Wilson number two. It, it, there there were a lot of teams picking number two that year Zach Wilson would have been the pick he was a, a guy that was loved by a lot of teams this isn't just a Jets or Joe Douglas or Robert Sala type of uh, deal here this is this is something that uh, a lot of teams around the league thought and you know I I think you could certainly understand based off of what he did in college uh, but you know up to this point fair to say it just has not worked
1: out yeah it's been tough to watch you know I can't say that I was super high on Zach Wilson during the pre-draft process. Probably one of the only guys here on the pod who wasn't. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's you know up to the coaching staff. They got to see what they have. It does take time. It does take reps. And just the question is, does this team have the time to, like you said, wait for him to learn, for him to develop? I mean, I'm not saying it's it's over just because I had some reservations about him because I think that people can change and he can get better. But ultimately, it's really about what Joe Douglas thinks. You know, and I at this moment, it seems like hard to imagine that this is the player that he thought he was drafting with the number two pick. I know Meigs, you know, has something he wants to touch on here. What's going on Meigs?
0: Yeah, Dan, I guess my question is like the jets are six and four, and I don't think they're going to lose every game for the rest of the season. I think if you look at their schedule, especially with the way their defense is playing that they're probably going to win a couple more games and probably be picking around 20 or hopefully higher as people have been waiting for this playoff drought to end and when you look at, like, guys who are going to be available at that round, like, you feel like that development's going to be even longer than someone you were going to take to overall. So is looking as a Jets fan at, like, the Anthony Richardsons of the world or even Will Levis, who's probably going to go higher, is that even feasible for us?
2: Yeah, you know, and if there's a quarterback at, say, just pick 20, obviously he's at 20 for a reason, you know. And when we look at the teams that are going to be picking in front of them, uh, plenty of those teams could use a quarterback. And so, you know, if all these teams are passing on the quarterback, you know, there's there's obviously a reason there for it. And, you know, we'll have to see with some of these juniors, um, you know, Tanner McKee from Stanford, Anthony Richardson, Florida, um, you know, if, if they declare or not, or they decide to go back to school, uh, time will tell. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, it, it's another roll of the dice. Uh, a guy like Anthony Richardson is just extremely gifted. Uh, guys like that are just rare. Um, but at some point he has to turn that talent into consistent quarterback play, which he has not been able to do up to this point. Um, and so, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's a tough call, uh, you know, cause you know, if you're the jets, do you go after a Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you go after, you know, whatever uh, best free agent or trade option for a veteran is out there? You know, it's, uh, do you trade for Derek Carr? Do you, you know, what, I, I don't know what the best option would be. Uh and, and I think a big part of it is uh, and this is something that none of us know, uh, is just how, Zach Wilson behind the scenes, what is he doing in the quarterback room? You know, how is how is he during practice? How is he interacting with everybody in the building? You know, that's obviously the, the press conference after the game on Sunday was a disaster. Um, hopefully he learns from that. Um, but you know, I I think if I'm a, if I'm the coach, that's I, I that's a big part of this. And that's something that none of us from on the outside really know um is how he's doing the meeting rooms how he's digesting the playbook understanding different concepts um as they get ready for defenses is he understanding the game plan um and, and that that's a that's a big part of this too that's kind of a missing variable for us um but you know back to your question about these prospects uh you know we'll have to see how this quarterback class shakes out uh you know it's it, it, they might be in a position where they just they you know they don't they won't have a chance to draft one of these quarterbacks. I, I think you're right. I think that, um, you know, there's a good chance three quarterbacks will be off the board by that point. Talking about Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis, uh, is there an Anthony Richardson there that might entice them to, you know, take a shot? even if there is, I mean, how long before he's ready, you know, like that's the thing It's just, if you do draft a a guy like Anthony Richardson there um, you know, it's probably going to take some time uh, before he's ready uh, to go out and help you win football games. So um, I'm not sure the draft specifically, the first round is is going to be, you know, I don't think the answer is necessarily going to be there for this team considering what they're looking for and wanting to win right now.
0: Yeah. I think you really put that, Perfectly. I think when you look at Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner and how quickly they've adapted, like when you have those guys on rookie contracts, you don't want to waste that value. I mean, I think you have having a team in the AFC like the Colts who had that fantastic 2018 draft class and then when they really couldn't find the quarterback. And then when they had to pay all those guys, you're starting to see like cracks in that foundation. And now Jeff Saturday's their head coach. And that's not, I don't want to see Nick Mangold coaching the Jets four years from now. <laughs>
2: I mean, I kind of want to see it. That'd be fun. But uh, you know, he'd be cracking Bud Lights on the sideline and uh having fun out there. But uh no, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's the Jets are trending up, right? You know, let's let's keep that trend going. Um, it's just uh, unfortunately the biggest question mark is, is at the most important position. And what do you do? Um at that point. So um I I you know, I I I am a fan of Joke Douglas. I, I am. I think that he's a really good evaluator of talent. Um you know, and you know he—he's. I think they're taking a hard look at the situation right now and trying to figure it out. Um, I'm not. There's not an easy button out there that that's gonna you know magically present the right options. But um, I'm I'm really fascinated to see how it plays out.
3: So one thing you did kind of hit on there is that maybe it isn't one of those back half of the first round guys. Maybe it's a later round or maybe they opt to go the veteran approach like Meeks kind of threw out uh, Derek Carr, Jimmy G when we were kind of getting ready for this. So say whether it is that they bring in a veteran and try to capitalize on those guys on rookie contracts or maybe they take a flyer on a late round guy or back half of the first guy like you mentioned a Richardson or I know you've written a lot about Hendon Hooker despite his ACL injury. Um, Who are some guys maybe as project guys they could look to go after and do you see that as a potential avenue for the Jets or maybe the more likely avenue of either go after a project guy or pair a project kind of quarterback with a veteran presence
2: yeah I mean if the Jets are if we reach the end of the season and the Jets think that quarterback is a problem it's something that they need to address then yeah I think you're you're looking at okay is are we going to package a third round pick uh that could turn into a second for Derek Carr. Um, you know, are we gonna try and do what the Rams did, uh, where, you know, they trade for Matthew Stafford and that is the piece that uh, you know, gets into the Super Bowl and gets them the uh the Lombardi. Um I, I think, you know, it's we're right now where we are, it's it's kind of hard to know exactly what the quarterback market's going to look like. Is Derek Carr even going to be available? Uh, I I think that, you know, we can safely say Jimmy G will be available, but you know, is that, is that the answer? Is that the best available that they see? Um, and and, you know, it's, if if we look towards the draft, um, you know, I'm, you know, Hedden Hooker is a player that I, I, I really like, but you know, he's coming from a system that there's going to be a learning curve and there's no guarantee he'll be ready to start from day one. Um, You know, beside, after him, we're talking about uh, Bo Nix from Oregon, who is a really talented player, but uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you could say he's similar to Zach Wilson with the way he operates. Uh, You know, he he likes to be on the move a lot. He's, there's a lot to like about him, just like there's a lot to like about Zach Wilson, but you know, can he be the missing piece? So, you know, I don't think there's a, a clear answer here in terms of what they do at quarterback uh i think that you know i I, and they can't even really be thinking about that just quite yet i think it's really just focusing on okay what are we going to do this season uh to to finish with the best possible outcome that we can get and then after the season that's when you really uh look at your options and say okay you know what going to get Derek carr that's that's the best option or doing this or whatever that ends up being so it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out because this is a, a quarterback draft class that is promising. You know, like I think there's certain players in this draft that you look at and say, okay, I can see him being a starter. I can see him helping us, uh, you know, compete uh, for a division title, but you know, there's a lot of question marks too in this quarterback class. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: If for some reason they do go the vet route and it seems like we all believe that's probably what's going to happen. If for some reason Zach Wilson doesn't improve, There's one particular prospect that I'm high on, Michael Penix, Jr. from Washington. Why isn't he getting more love from the draft community? Is it the injuries? Is it the way he ended his career in Indiana? Like, how come he's not being talked about more?
2: Well, I mean, I think he should be with what he's done this year at Washington. Um, And look, this guy had very little buzz um, over the summer. I mean, he was not really considered a prospect. Uh, a legitimate prospect but he's helped change the narrative this year with what he's done for the huskies um and i think there's you know the things to like with him he's got uh, a rope for an arm i mean he he can sling that out route from the far hash he makes it look really nice uh throws a very catchable ball he's a confident passer he's not afraid to attack those small windows um he's got a, enough mobility so he can scramble for the sticks when he's got a chance And I think he, he, you could tell he's played a lot of football, that veteran awareness where he's got a good feel for uh, where pressure is coming from and what he needs to do to get the ball out quickly. So um, now those are the good things. Now the bad things, the, the, the mechanics are all over the place. Uh, You know, he he could do a better job with his footwork with his hips. Uh, He's got a really long delivery. Um, I I think that, you know, he's guilty of overstriding on some uh, throws and then just not moving his feet on others. I, I, there are you know the decision making and the accuracy are good but not great uh you know there are some throws that he just he shouldn't make but he still tries it and sometimes he gets away with it but he's not going to get away with it in the nfl and the ball the ball placement just needs to be more precise there are plays where uh you know he's just he's not putting it on the right shoulder or and you know he still completes it so it looks good in the box score you know it's completion. But, uh, you know, it, there's some hidden yards there. Instead of a 25-yard gain, it's an eight-yard gain, um, where if he just hits it uh, on the right shoulder and the placement's a little bit better, it's a different outcome. So um, I, I do think that he's put himself in draftable position. Um, I think probably more like mid-rounds. But the the big question will be the medicals. Um, he's had a lot of medical issues over his career. And so at the combine, I think that will be a, a big part of the equation that we fill in and, and find out is – just, you know, the long-term prognosis, what, you know, the, our teams worried about that? Is that make it a non-factor? And so um, hopefully we see Penix, uh, um, you know, at one of these all-star games, senior bowl, shrine game, that'll be a chance for him to, to really show out even more and kind of continue to build on this momentum that he's created for himself.
1: Yeah, he's definitely had some monster games, but then also throwing like an interception at the most inopportune time in the game to cost them the game. So he definitely has to learn, but definitely found him to be a a super interesting prospect. And I expect he'll probably be one of those guys who rise to as we go through the process. As far as like just guys like, like Penix or, you know, another prospect that could end up being this like late round guy, like day two or three, that could end up being like a Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott, somebody like if you had to pick one guy in the draft that would be to that level one day. Who's I guess maybe not so maybe we talked about him already. Who's that player for you?
2: You know, I, I think you know, Bo Nix could possibly be that player. Another uh transfer, you know, Michael Panics went from Indiana to Washington. Uh, Bo Nix did the same thing going out west, he started at Auburn, and uh, his career in the SEC was very inconsistent. Um, just you know, really struggled to live up to what he was expected to be uh, for the Tigers. Uh, but now at Oregon this year, he's, he looks like he's having fun and that's all the difference in the world for him. Um, I, I think that offense helps a lot there. It's a run heavy offense, 60, 40, probably uh, run the pass. Um, and, and that re- that that helps him as a passer because he gets a lot of open windows, but to his credit, he's hitting them. So, uh, you know, he's a guy, he's above average athlete. He, he looks really good on the move. Uh, got a quick release. He's comfortable without throwing with throwing without a set base um does a great job on play fakes he can force those missteps in coverage no questions about his toughness um so there's a lot of things about Bo Nix that say you know what yeah that that'll translate now that'll work um you know and so the more you watch him the more you're just like okay well why why can't this guy uh make it at the next level so um you know he's a guy that lives between the numbers I want to see him be more consistent outside the numbers towards the sideline uh, cause you know, you're going to have to be in the NFL. So, you know, I, and there are some times where, you know, he just a couple of those, uh, you know, YOLO, uh, moments where you just want to see him get rid of those on tape. But, uh, you know, Bo Nix is an interesting player. I think he's teams are, you know, forced, forced to kind of go back and change, uh, their opinion on him based off of what he's done this year. And, um, so this is a really interesting, you know, as much as we talked about the top quarterbacks this year, this is a really interesting uh it, it, you know uh, day two day three quarterback group uh because you know we mentioned the top three bryce young cj stride will Levis. probably gonna be the first three drafted and then it gets really interesting after that how many fit into day two and then there's just a, a log jam of quarterbacks on day three, guys like Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, uh Clayton Toon, Houston, uh Michael Penix from Washington. Um, I, I'm a fan of Tyson Bajent from Shepherd, a division two player who uh is is going to get more and more love as we go through the process. Um, so, you know, I didn't mention, you know, Hendon Hooker somewhere in there, uh, most likely on day two. So it's a really interesting quarterback class that I think, you know, we we would not be surprised to see the Jets take advantage of that somehow, somehow, some way, even if it's not until the fifth round, you know, I, I think there's a good chance we see them maybe, uh, throw a dart and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I know a lot of us didn't want to talk about quarterbacks at all. We were hoping Zach Wilson was the answer. Unfortunately, it's going to be a hot topic here on draft season for sure. I think you mentioned a lot of names that the listeners are definitely going to start to dive into because, well, it's the situation that we're in. I know Mike has some uh, questions about some edge guys and some other players he's interested in hearing about.
0: Yeah, Dan, I really appreciate the D2 shot. I'm going to have to see if I can get some Shepard film this year to see if there's hopefully the next Jets franchise quarterback one day. But um, I know like last year when people talked about Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, like People always whisper like the sophomore from Alabama is better than them. Yeah. And yeah. we've seen these great edge players like the Bosa's, Chase Young, Miles Garrett, like the past like six, seven years. Where does Will Anderson for you rank amongst those guys in that group? Because I feel like Will Anderson's valuation is probably around being done because I can't imagine anyone who hasn't watched him yet.
2: Yeah. And I I think that I, I was really excited coming into this year. I mean, his sophomore year last year was so special. I I mean, he, he should have won the Heisman. He was the best player uh, in college football last year. Um, This year has, he's still productive. I mean, he's still making plays, uh, but they're, they're not asking him to do the same things and he's getting a lot more attention from offenses. Um, And the biggest thing for me, is the missed tackles I, as an edge rusher you have to be able to finish that's that that that's a big part of what you're doing out there is uh, you know it's great when you create disruption but you need to finish and Will anderson has way too many missed tackles and that that really bothers me um i mean he's still in my opinion the best player in the draft but if we're going to compare him to chase young and miles garrett and the bosas um, you know that, that that's where you nitpick and say, Okay, you know what, he, he has to be a better uh finisher if we're gonna put him in that category um and it, it's just a matter of he plays he plays so fast so hard that uh he'll overrun some plays over pursue um uh, you know he'll he'll get his hands on a running back in the backfield but just won't be able to control himself and finish and so it, it happens on almost every tape um and that's um that's something that obviously is is, is an issue but this is a guy that is a premier talent scheme proof um i usually with pass rushers you love what they do uh, off the edge rushing uh, the quarterback. And then you kind of say, okay, well, he's solid in the run game. Willie Anderson is an elite run defender. I mean, it's really impressive to watch him uh, against the run. And then he's also really, really good against, uh, uh, you know, rushing the quarterback. So lower body twitch, uh, explosive upper half, uh, but he's also has that flexible frame. I I wish he was a little bit bigger. He's going to be around two, 245 250 not ideal in terms of weight um but this guy he, he reads blocks so quickly and he understands what he needs to do to counter what blockers are trying to do so not only does he have the physical talent but he's smart he's technically sound um you know will anderson's going to be an easy top five pick this year and you know it's a, you know, you look at uh you know the bears the panthers i mean one of those teams up early is going to get a pretty good player
0: yeah, he really fits that Mike Tomlin description where I never want to be bad enough to be able to draft you. And when a guy really has, I think, double look, pacing for double digit sacks and 20 more TFLs, and it's a little disappointing based off his sophomore stage, you can tell he's a really, really special player. I know Dylan has a question now uh, about some of these guys in this draft and since we're shifting from away from QB talk.
3: Yeah, so I know you mentioned um, a small school guy before. I know you're a small school guy yourself. And I know in an article the other day, you mentioned Wayne Ruby Jr., who's a small school guy from Mount Union as well as you. Yeah. Um, so not a Big Ten guy like James Coons or myself. So shout out, James. I know he's not on tonight. But in speaking on the D2, D3 kind of level of competition, how much harder is it for you to evaluate some of those smaller school guys and then kind of put them on that same level as some of these guys that are at the D1 competition? And then I know you've mentioned Wayne Ruby Jr., but who are some other small school guys you've taken a look at so far that you've liked?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's a great question because it is really tough. And as a D3 guy myself, you know, I uh you know, going to Mount Union and, you know, being right there, uh, uh you know, watching Pierre Grosone every, you know, every single week um, during the week of practice and seeing how talented he was. I mean, I being able to see him at every day like that, I knew how, how good a player he was. But when you're, uh, you know, outside of it and just watching these guys on tape and you're, you know, uh, blowing by these corners or if you're, uh, you know, a, a pass rusher beating tackles, like at the competition level, is just – so different than what you're going to see at the NFL. That's really hard to evaluate. That's why these All Star games are so important. Um, and, and that's why you know for a guy like Tyson Bajen, the the quarterback from Shepherd, he already has a Senior Bowl invite. Uh, the Shrine Game invited him. NFLPA game in, invited him. Uh, but he's going to go to the Senior Bowl. And uh, so far, he's the only quarterback accepted, which is pretty cool. And I, I've you know had the pleasure to talk to Tyson uh, a couple times. Um, awesome kid uh, from West Virginia um and you know he actually not not a lot of people know this he actually got uh he went to transfer portal this last off season Maryland wanted him they offered him West Virginia offered him they wanted him um at the end of the day he decided to stay at Shepherd, finish what uh he started with his guys and uh you know it's kind of a hometown kid and so this will be a big opportunity for him in Mobile uh to show that you know he can you know, be just like these other quarterbacks in terms of the physical traits, uh, in terms of how much football he knows, um, so I'm, I'm really eager to see him there and see how he performs. Um, one of my other favorite players in this draft is actually a small school guy, and that's Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. Um, you know, he, he was he made my top 50 over the summer, and then he got hurt in the opener against Iowa. I think South Dakota State beats Iowa if Tucker Craft does not get hurt on the first play. He's that type of uh, dude. He makes that type of impact for the offense. He's a lot of fun. He he's a really athletic player. Big. Pass- Catcher, he can block, uh, he can create after the catch. So, Tucker Craft, um, I don't think he's getting enough love. I mean, I, I, he could easily go first round, easily, he, he's that type of player. Um, so I, I'm excited to see where he goes. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see some of these other guys when they go to, uh, when they go to the senior bowler shrine game. uh you know, the Princeton kid, um, I gotta learn how to pronounce his name, but I know he's good on tape. That's that, that's how much I know. Um, so, you know, you know, how does he do? going from the Ivy league to seeing, uh, you know, the best senior corners in, uh, in, in this draft class, that'll be a big test for him during those one-on-ones during practice at Mobile. Um, You know, can he get open? Can he win that down the field? So uh, you know, the the, the Princeton kid is a really good receiver who just a matter of how high he's going to be drafted could go top four rounds, top five rounds. He's he's a pretty good player, big time athlete.
1: Damn the Jack rabbits are turning out those tight ends, I guess. Right. Dallas Goddard yeah, yeah. draft I mean no, you actually took 50 have, pick and you turned me on to him I, I watched a little bit of him and I was super impressed so definitely uh I think he's going to be rising up the draft board it's unfortunate he got hurt but def- a beast man I don't know what they got going on over there at South Dakota State with the tight ends but having two studs come out of that would be pretty special I guess Dave, before we let you go I have a, a couple of quick fire questions yep. um first one is so you were in on Trevon Walker before anybody last year. Yeah. You know, ended up being the first pick in the draft. I'm not saying this question has to be somebody you think is going to be the first pick in the draft, but who is this year's Trevon Walker?
2: Um, Olu Foshinu, uh from Penn State, who um, I, in my top 50 update a couple weeks ago, he was in my number five overall player. And I don't think uh, he's necessarily talked about that quite yet. But for a guy that's 19 years old who has such meager experience, for him to play at this level that he's playing is pretty impressive. Uh, Body control, core strength, um, you know, he understands a lot of the technical aspects of things. And he's just a really smart player. So not only does he bring the physical talent, the size, the strength, uh, the movement skills, but he gets it between the years. Like he understands it. He takes coaching really well. You only have to explain it once to him, and he gets it. So Ulu uh, Fashanu is a player that is just a richer sophomore. Like I said, he's 19. He's got a big NFL decision to make. Uh, if he comes out, I think he'll be uh, a top 10 pick, and you know, go to a team that is really looking to upgrade their tackle uh, situation because I, I think he's the real deal.
1: Yeah, you never know. That might actually be the Jets with all the stuff going on with Becton, but from what I've seen from him so far. Yeah. He's a stud, man. I love the way he read the I like his hand placement. I think he's definitely above his years for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, next question though, five years from now, who's the best quarterback in this draft class?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I think Bryce Young is the, the best quarterback in this class. And uh, you know, if so the answer has to be for me, Bryce Young. Um, you know, if, if I didn't feel that way, he shouldn't be my top quarterback. Uh, but he's, if you can get past the size, he's got everything else you want really uh, in terms of the instincts, uh, his ability to find those second chance plays, his poise, the processing, um, it's all just off the charts. And so he's a complete outlier in terms of size. Um, and as long as you can look past that and get past that part of it. Um, now, I do also think he needs to take better care of himself in terms of staying healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like he welcomes the chaos because he thrives in it so well. Um, but it's one thing in the, in the SEC, which, you know, is obviously really good competition, but it's another in the NFL to welcome some of the, that rush and make guys miss in the backfield and buy that extra time won't be as easy against NFL level athletes. And so I think he does need to do a better job of just protecting himself. But, uh, I mean, Bryce Young, it's, it's, it's again, if you can look past the lack of size, uh, everything else, it gets you really excited about how it's going to translate to the NFL.
1: Do you think his size might cause him to fall in the draft?
2: It's possible, sure, because uh he won't be for everybody. You know, some teams will look at him and say, uh, you know, it's just we're not interested in an outlier at the most important position on the roster and with a, a top five pick. Um, now I don't think he falls too far. There's too many teams that need have a needed quarterback, and you know, he just brings too much to the table. So I don't think it's going to be a free fall or anything like that. But um, you know, I like if he doesn't go one to Houston, uh, you know, does he go to two to the Panthers? Maybe not. Uh, you know, could he fold to say the the Lions who will be picking, uh, who are the Rams pick, which should be somewhere in that four to eight range? Uh, you know, the Lions are they interested? So I, I think there are too many teams that need a quarterback. So I don't, I don't think it'll be a free fall, but yeah, sure. I, would, I don't, wouldn't be surprised at all if he's not, you know, the first quarterback
1: drafted just because that size won't be for everybody. I know Michael Megan was hoping he was going to fall to the latter half of the second round because of that size, but
0: yeah, not see, happening.
1: Yeah. I Personally don't see it happening. Um, no, obviously, I... you know, CJ Mosley's getting a little older. Um, mm. we don't know how much he's got left in the tank. Is there like a, a Fred Warner type in this draft? You know, who would be perfect fit for a solid defense. And if so, you know, who's that guy? You know,
2: well, I think that this is a linebacker class that is, Maybe tough to get excited about. Um, I I really like Trenton Simpson from Clemson. Um, To me, he's the top linebacker. He's just kind of a a do everything type of guy. Um, But, you know, I I think that, you know, he's probably a a guy you have to take in the first round. And so, you know, Fred Werner was a day two pick and. Uh, I don't know if there's a guy this year that you can point to and say, you know, that's that's who he's going to be. Um, I like Henry Toho from Alabama. Um, uh, and is a third or fourth round guy. He's really really smart. I mean, he sees the the action play out. You just wish he was a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. That's why we're not talking about Toho as a first round pick. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell from India from Iowa is really interesting. Um, uh, because of what he can do in coverage, um, smart, smart player, instinctive finds those passing lanes, uh, you know, he mirrors well at the line of scrimmage. So, uh, you know, he, he's also in that third, fourth round range. So there are some linebackers that, you know, uh, outside of the first two rounds that, you know, I think will be uh, interesting uh, prospects. But, you know, I, I, it just, it's hard to look at one of these guys and say, oh, yeah, that, that looks like the next Fred Werner. I, I don't think linebacker is one of the stronger positions this year.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And Sewell's kind of dropped off uh, or dropped out of favor with a lot of people as well um just quick you know drew sanders like this is a guy i've been watching a little bit of i feel like you Mm -hmm. had him in your top 50 he was at alabama he moved because he wanted to play more inside looks like it's worked out for him but they are using him all over the place um at arkansas i mean you think you could see him in the first round eventually
2: sure yeah absolutely 6'2 235 he's a big kid and he's really athletic and so i don't think it's a it wouldn't be a surprise at all um you know because he's a guy that uh, has played a lot of positions like you mentioned. And I think that is something that could be appealing because of the versatility. You want to play him as a mic. He can do that. You want to put his hand on the ground, let him rush the passer. He can do that. Um, uh, so there, there's some different things to his game that, uh, get you excited. And so I think with that athleticism, he, I, I, you know, he did make my top 50 and I do think he'll be drafted top 50. Now, there are some inconsistencies to his game that he needs to shore up. Uh, But, you know, also not surprising for a guy that uh, has not played a ton, uh, especially in one spot. So I I think that some of the uh, shortcomings that he has are fixable and, you know, will get better with experience. Um, But, you know, he's a guy that teams are really going to be intrigued with because of that size speed uh,
1: profile. Best pure pass rusher after Will Anderson.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you probably have to say Miles Murphy from, from Clemson. Um, you know, it, he's, he's in that Travon Walker mold where it's just, he's big, he's long and he's a really freaky athlete, not Travon Walker freaky, but still pretty freaky by normal standards. Um, you know, he's six, five, two 275 long arms and, you know, might run in the four fives. Um, so there, there's a lot to like about Miles Murphy and, what he could be at the next level so I, I think there's a good chance when, when you're that have that type of talent and you're a pass rusher you're gonna go early just like Trevon Walker um so yeah Miles Murphy I think you can pencil him in in that top 10 somewhere
1: yeah huge fan of Murphy he's actually a guy I mentioned in the last episode of draft season and our past draft cycle so love that you brought him up um so final question before we let you go best single high safety in the draft
2: best single high safety um you know I I Brian branch is my top safety and it's really more, I think he could play uh, more of a single high role, but the reason I like him so much is because he's so good in the nickel playing that star position for Alabama. Um, but you know, Brian branch is still probably be my answer because he's so smart and he's so uh, reliable versus the pass and versus the run. Uh, Cause if you, if for a single high safety, you need, you have to trust that guy because he's the last line of defense uh, versus the pass and the run, and I, I trust Brian Branch. So he would be my answer, but I think there's a couple other guys in this in this uh, group that are interesting. Tyler Newbin from Minnesota, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think will get more and more love as the process goes along. He's got good size, 6'2", 210, and he's going to test pretty well. Um, you know, I think he could do a lot of things on that defense, including playing as a single high position. Um, you know, so there's, you know, a a couple of these guys in this class, Jamie Robinson from Florida state. He'd be also in that mix. So, uh, it's not the best safety class, but I do think there are a few guys worth getting excited about, um, guys that belong in the first three rounds.
1: I think Brian branch is going to be my guy in this draft. I absolutely love him. I think he's so smart. He's like the modern day safety. He could play single high, he could play in the slot. He could play in the box. I think he's an absolute beast. I I would love if for some reason, I know a lot of people don't, don't want to necessarily target a safety in round one, but if the Jets actually went after him in the latter half of the first round, that's somebody I'd be ecstatic about for sure. But yeah, Dave, I wish he was a little bit bigger.
2: But yeah, I, yes. I agree with you. I mean, he just checks so many boxes. Um, you know, he'll probably be under 200 pounds, and that's not ideal for a safety. Uh, but yeah, he, he checks so many other boxes that it's easy to like him. He's and Nick Saban raves about him, um, which is obviously something that uh, will help him during the process.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a top ten guy for me for sure. I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Antonio Johnson.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I like Antonio Johnson too. Um, I think, you know, he's been hurt a little bit. And so him coming back to the Aggies uh, the last two weeks has really made a difference for that defense. Um, And so you could see his impact right away. Um, I don't, I think he is more of that nickel where I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a true single high guy, but I do like him as a nickel, as a guy that, can be part safety part linebacker part corner and do a little bit of everything in that type of role so uh if we're talking you know the best nickels in this class uh branch and Antonio johnson are one two for me both guys are really talented
1: yeah i feel like he hasn't played a lot of that single high role but i feel you know i feel like he has a little bit of javon holland in him where when he makes a transition to the next level that that could be a place where he actually finds a really nice home but uh Regardless, Dave, man, it was so awesome having you on. I've been trying to get you on here for quite some time. I really appreciate that you made the time for us. And uh, as always, I mean, us guys here in the pod respect your stuff so much. I dive into that beast every year. I even printed it out one year, the whole entire damn thing. Right. <laughs> so I was That's awesome. To have, it, to have it next to me during the draft. So like I said, man, just absolutely respect all of your stuff and having you on here has been just an absolute pleasure.
2: No. Hey, pr- pleasure is all mine. I, I really do appreciate, uh, you know, the kind words and the support and I'm glad it, it worked out that I could join you guys. And we could talk some ball for a little bit. So, uh, you know, keep, keep it up. You guys are doing great and, you know, have a happy Thanksgiving. It, it was really fun talking to you guys.
1: Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Thanks again.
0: Thanks so much, Dan. Take care guys. righty, Joe. I, you know, another draft season interview done. I thought that went really well. I thought Dane dropped a lot of nuggets for our listeners to, you know, Get, really get in the mindset that the draft isn't far away, as much as good as the Jets are playing? Do you say anything that really, like, shocked you? Made the eyeballs go, like, well, or if he was pretty level?
1: I mean, I thought he was going to give a little bit more love to Michael Penix, to be honest with you, but everything he brought up was spot on in a lot of ways. You know, I, I feel like my biggest issue with with him is – that he just sometimes doesn't seem to see the field, how I would want him to, you know, it's like a little bit of his vision, but he still is an incredibly intelligent player. From my perspective, he is so good in the pocket. He's an athlete who makes his home in the pocket when he knows he can run. And I feel like that would probably translate really well to the, to the NFL. He you know, it seems like he still is willing to give Zach a chance. I think a lot of us are kind of uh, off of that uh, wagon or that, you know, I think Dylan's still out there praying that he is the guy, I mean, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, we see we obviously this has been a little bit of a quarterback heavy pod. You know, where where are you? Where are you Meigs, with, with Zach Wilson?
0: Oh, Zach Wilson well, like I'm done with Zach. Like, I don't I don't I don't fault Joe Douglas for the pick. I unfortunately just think that the 2021 draft, when it's all said and done, was a one quarterback draft and we had the second pick. Um I think Trevor Lawrence is good. I know that's not a very popular take on Jets Twitter. Um, I think he was, wasn't, he's not what he was billed as, as is like Andrew luck level prospect, but Trevor Lawrence is super consistent. I think he makes a couple of dumb throws every now and again that I wish he didn't, but I think that guy does a really good job. Not like taking sacks. He might, he's basically like, to me, he's like a six, six stack Prescott. Like there's probably going to be seven quarterbacks that are always better than him. There's always going to be 20 quarterbacks that he's better than. And if you can live in the eight to 12, 13 range, um, you're probably gonna be really happy with that quarterback. And I just, unfortunately, they took a of dice roll on Zach and it didn't work.
1: And yeah, Joe Douglas kind of- has
0: done a nice job building the rest of the team. And I think he should get another shot to make, you know, make that hopefully for the next guy to be the right guy, whether it's a veteran, whether it's a guy they draft, but Zach Wilson, I'm kind of just over it. I, the only, the only thing I'll say about Penix, because I know Dave brought up his mechanics, Joe, I have to watch him more. I did like to the arm stuff. If he does not point his feet, At the guy he's throwing at, I'm out. I'm so sick of watching that from Jets quarterbacks.
1: Obviously, we all have to dive a little deeper into some of these prospects. We're right here at the beginning of draft season. We got, you know, a couple of months left to go. You should have seen me and Dylan had the exact same expression when you said Trevor Lawrence was like Dak Prescott. I mean, like, exactly the same. It was hysterical because that's actually a pretty good comp, Mike, you know? Thank you. You're really good with the damn comps. I got to give you credit for that, Mm -hmm. like 100%. Um, as far as like, you know, everything else, I mean, that was cool. I mean, I'm glad he came in there. That guy's got just a, just a wealth of knowledge, man. I mean, with all the prospects that he's already, you know, dove deep into. And I mean, I'm just super happy we had him on the show. Um, unfortunately, like we already talked about quarterback is still going to, it's going to be a hot topic. I mean, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. We know we didn't want to. You know, this is something we've talked about, you know, all fair, how you know we were like before the season started. if Zach ends up being the guy, this is something that we don't even have to talk about. And that's, that would be wonderful because if you're talking about a quarterback, your team probably isn't in the position you want them to be in, even though, listen, we're six and four, but this team could easily have a better record. You know, it could easily be eight and two, right? Had we had the right guy under center. um, Like I told Dane, you know, um, I was never super high on Zach Wilson, thought he had a, a lot of problems in college. I feel like the most glaring thing for me with Zach was that just like last game against the Patriots, you know, you would watch him and he would have wide open guys in the short to intermediate area. And he would just like opt not to throw to them. You know, he would usually throw it outside on the boundary and he would end up making some really good plays sometimes. Don't get me wrong. And it was like, you'd be like, wow, that was an amazing play. But at the same time, it just wasn't the right play. It wasn't the right decision. It wasn't the play that you should make on an NFL level. And I seem, I think that that's definitely coming to fruition here. I mean, I don't want to like joke around, but like Zach Wilson really is like, come on, he's like this hot chick at the bar, you see, you know, and she's got everything. I mean, she's got everything. And somehow you end up taking her home. And all of a sudden it's like, she's got extensions, fake eyelashes, a push-up bra. She's got some padded backside. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. You still do what you got to do but it's just not as advertised. You know what I mean? It's just not what you were expecting it to be. And Joe, I think that- Joe,
0: there are children who listen to this podcast.
1: I've listened. It's, right it's just like, that's what, Zach Wilson, <laughs> that's what Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson was fool's gold. I mean, that's what it really seems like right now. It was a whole bunch of fool's gold. It was a whole bunch of people just hyping him up. And listen, nobody's batting a thousand in the draft game. That's just a fact. I'm not going to like knock somebody because they thought Zach Wilson was going to be good. But for me, it was, you know, you know, I mean, it was pretty obvious to me that- he was going to have some problems and just shouldn't have been to pick a number two. I told you guys, you know, all fair on air. I felt like he was really like a late first round, second round prospect, somebody you could groom and develop, and maybe he turns into a good player. And now he's in a position on a team that like is ready to win. And he's just not the kind of player that you want on a team ready to win. You know? And, and it's unfortunate for us because like you, he, he's even Jimmy Garoppolo and like, I, I don't, this is even hyper hyperbolic. Like, this team could potentially make a run if they get into the playoffs with a player like that in this defense. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dylan, I know you're not as low on Zach Wilson as the two of us. And for our listeners who are yelling in their cars about how we're prejudiced towards Mormons, do you have anything to defend Zach Wilson?
3: You know what I'll say is that we kind of talked before we went on air here and you know Joe I missed you your analogies are hysterical that was a good one on uh, Zach not being as advertised and I think that's why it hurts a little bit because I think I was someone who bought into the fool's gold I never really did with Sam I definitely did with Zach and I think that with Zach I would say I have about 15% to 20% faith left in him so a little under a quarter percent of my faith is still there which I think is a little bit higher than both of you guys uh, to say the very least and also our uh, other co-host James Coons. but what I would say moving forward is just that kind of like what Dan said it's not over yet I'd like to see him get some more reps and maybe even get benched this Sunday just to resettle things and hopefully give him an opportunity to know that his job isn't secure and that just like every other 52 men on that roster that it's not a guarantee that he's out there on Sunday. And right now he's kind of been given the golden child treatment and maybe getting him knocked down a peg might be exactly what he needs, because I think maybe it's complacency or whether it's that he needs to play hero ball, like he did at BYU, but the time for that's over. This is a six and four team that has absolutely grown up faster than ever expected and is ready to play win now football right now and he's just not a win now quarterback and he needs to either step up or there's the door and i i do still have faith that maybe there's that zach wilson left that i bought into and that a lot of the nfl draft circle like dane bought into that he's still there um i would like to see him play again this year but If what Sala and Douglas believe is best is that he rides the pine the rest of the season, then I'm okay with that. If they believe that Mike White or Joe Flacco are the better option, or maybe even Chris Striebel at this point to lead this team to the, uh, the playoffs in the promised land. But one thing I loved about what Dan said, and I know you two saw it and Dane probably saw me pumping my fist that he has Olu Fashanu as his Trayvon Walker, number two this year. Um, He's a guy I'm really high on, obviously Penn state bias out the door. I think he's a 19 year old prospect that plays like he's 25 and has a veteran instinct and is going to be really good. So I'm excited to dive into him at some point, but just ending off on Zach, uh, I still have faith, just a little, Less a lot less than I had starting the season,
0: yeah. One thing I haven't missed about this podcast is Dylan talking about Penn State players. Thank god Parker Washington isn't draft eligible, otherwise, I'd have to hear about him on a weekly basis. But uh, I don't think I'll have to hear about Sean Clifford, which is something that I think all fans of this podcast and just football in general should be happy to hear. But um, very happy to be back. I know James. Unfortunately, like Joe said, he's running with the Bulls in Spain, and maybe you'll get an appearance from him before the holidays. But um, I'd like to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. I'm very happy draft season's back. I'm very happy we have a football team to talk about as well as the draft prospects. I'm really excited for the season ahead. Yeah, right. you know
1: what, Meigs? I was supposed to read something that James left—a blurb. I don't oh, know. If it's, really? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's not going to maybe maybe it's not going to end up making the show. We'll see. I'll read it right now for him. I know he was excited about it. Um, I know he wanted to be here, but like you said, he's gallivanting around in Spain right now. So maybe that's a little bit more exciting than being on the the pod with us, you know. I beg to differ, but but listen, I disagree as well. Well, this is what he said. He said, and this is about the quarterback, obviously, hot topic. Zach Wilson's recent play is disappointing, but not surprising. Zach's vulnerabilities as a college player have only been magnified in the NFL, and his biggest strength, his off-script playmaking ability, has disappeared. I'm disappointed to say that, in retrospect, the Zach Wilson evaluation is that Joe, Dalvin Meeks and I got on draft season were spot on. Zach Wilson was the incorrect choice with the second pick. Seeing as the Jets have one of the league's best rosters, yet possibly its worst quarterback, I have never been so sad to be right. Joe, Meeks and Dylan will do a good job describing the flaws in Zach's game in this episode. I'm interested in why Zach Wilson phenomenon happened in the first place. Why was this player taken number two? Why was the legacy football media fooled by him? And how can we make sure this type of mistake doesn't happen in the future? So James goes on to the list or highlight four four factors. The unfair comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, an NFL playbook being way more advanced than what he was exposed to in college, despite it being quote unquote, a pro style offense. People writing off the level of competition, and his most crucial or critical point, Zach's proclivity for missing the layups. And he highlighted that when we talked about the Western Kentucky game. And it was pretty, it was pretty much an apparent issue in that game. And I think Meeks, you talked a lot about that too. The leaks we all did. We all talked about his short to intermediate accuracy and how it wasn't exactly as described by, you know, people in the media. And he was definitely not, you know, making a lot of those throws that we see him not making on Sundays, the easy ones, even in college at BYU. So I think James makes a lot of great points. And I mean, I didn't want this episode to be about like just crapping on Zach Wilson, you know, but that's, this is just the state of New York Jets. That's what's wrong with the team right now. I know we're going to, as draft season goes on, we're definitely going to Oh,
0: Joe, over. Joe, Zach Wilson said he's not the problem.
1: Well, listen, you know, let's talk about that for one second. I know, honestly. All right, fine. You know, Zach didn't take accountability. Correct. Now there was this little, I guess, well okay fine but there and listen I'm not a, I'm not a Zach defender but there was this one interview he did after the game I think it was in the tunnel where he seemed to be fairly accountable with what happened during the game I think what he said to Connor Hughes was kind of mostly directed at Connor Hughes I don't think he yeah. realized in that moment that he was throwing his entire team under the bus I really don't I think he has kind of like just not a very good relationship with Connor and he just kind of gave him a short answer because there's, there's just a lot of tension between those two guys. And I feel like he just made a, a rookie mistake, a um, mistake that a, just a very young guy could potentially make when he's in a situation with a media member who maybe isn't giving him the benefit of the doubt. And yes, I feel like in a vacuum, it looks like he's selfish and he's not holding himself accountable. But I feel like a lot of people in the media don't really know what's going on behind closed doors between those two particular people. And I think had they known, maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but I honestly think it have to be almost insane for Zach Wilson to think he played well and that he wasn't part of the problem. I mean, the dude didn't throw for 100 yards. There's been four of his seven the games win though.
0: The four of his seven.
1: Four of his seven games have been 154 yards or less. Okay, I think he can read a stat sheet. You know what I mean? Like, I think he sees what's going on. So I, I really think that that was more of a personal thing between those two guys. Maybe I'm wrong, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think that Connor Hughes, and this isn't a knack on Connor Hughes or on Zach, yeah. but it's just that Connor's reported things very bluntly as it pertains to Zach Wilson. And when it's been all sunshine and rainbows, like right after the Bills come back win, Connor Hughes was the first to point out, hey, you know, Zach really didn't do anything that pushed the Jets over the edge. Hey, like, let's temper these expectations for Zach. Connor Hughes has been a realist, whereas Zach, I think, At BYU, was the golden child. I think when he came to the Jets, he was the golden child. And I think the expectation for Zach's always been he's the golden child. So now you have this guy who has a very big following and is a very respected reporter who's knocking him down a peg and not even intentionally. He's just saying hey like let's keep an eye out and just temper expectations and then in press conferences he's kind of tried to get Zach to bite on questions like hey why did you make this decision when Zach's all giddy about a big win that he necessarily didn't pilot the way to apologize for that and the reality is just that now this was a situation where Zach was ticked off about his own poor performance that I think if you listen to his interview with ESPN's Bob Wischusen I probably butchered his last name um, one of the best in the business but he did a great job as you said Joe articulating like it it wasn't a lack of accountability it was just that i think he was peed off with connor hughes and he's been all year
1: i think that's exactly uh, what it is you know just not to cut you off meeks but i think you're said. spot on there i think you're sorry i think you're spot on though is <laughs> kidding connor has been a realist and he is mentioning things that should be talked about and and zach needs to grow up and understand that that stuff is going to happen and not take it to the point where he is answering a question or being feisty or stubborn when he should really just be telling the truth just because a guy is pretty much like you said just being realistic there are a lot of you know Jets homers out there who are just defend Zach Wilson to to the end and it's just that's not who we want to be as fans you know we want to when when the team is good we want to say the team is good when the team is better not doing well, we should be able to point that out without getting any flack you know and Zach needs to be able to be an NFL quarterback and a, and a more of a mature man and and understand that. People are going to talk about his play and it's totally fair game.
0: I will just say as the face of the franchise, you can't get baited by a reporter who has one of the worst MCU uh, rankings of all the movies that I've ever seen. Like, you gotta be better than that, Zach. I'm sorry. Like, you can't get baited by a reporter like that. That's basically, like, my whole takeaway. But, like, also, like, I do think there is some tension in that relationship. I think it's pretty obvious in the press conferences how he's pretty short with him and just regular questions, not just the one on Sunday. But we've also seen Zach say that, like, things like no one really knows what's going on outside this building besides the people in it. Or that I don't care about stats. Or then he says, the oh, like, when asking about his performance and he blames the wind like I don't think he's done himself in any favors in a couple of interviews I don't think it was just that one I think this has been building and in that scenario like your defense played maybe one of their best game all season just how good they were situationally about just knocking the Patriots consistently at a field goal range with those timely sacks and just basically played a perfect game and they lost and that's the only thing that people are going to care about is when they hear that soundbite, and that's the only thing when people check their phones, they're going to see all over social media, and Zach's got to be better than that, and that is probably why Robert Sala came out yesterday and said, we're evaluating all options. I think that comment did even more damage than his play and just checking the film. I really do. I did. I got to say though if they're benching him because of that comment
1: that's I think that's just I, I don't
0: I don't think it's solely because of that comment. Yeah, but I, don't I think, that, I, mean, I, I, don't think even I think know. I think that was the, that was I, the final straw if he does get benched. I mean, they should bench him because he just he's
1: playing really bad. Yeah. You know, like really bad. his best his best games are him being a game manager. Like you don't draft somebody number 2 overall to be a game manager. I know it's year 2, but like that's not what you were expecting with the number 2 overall okay. pick. I mean, it's just It's just ridiculous, really, you know, but listen, a lot of us here knew that, you know, we did. I mean, Dylan didn't know it and Mike didn't know it, but I certainly did.
0: No, (laughs) Joe's never going to let us forget about this regardless of who the next quarterback the Jets take are. But hopefully for Zach's sake, that he does get to play on Sunday and he takes advantage of a Bears defense that is really, really bad. And the quarterback talk was just probably always going to come back. Um, get shelved for at least a week and we can talk about some of the fun players in this draft class. But okay. Joe, listen. do we have any more statements from anyone else in yeah. the podcast? I just want to say Zach Wilson can still
1: be a good player. It's just going to take a miracle. You know, it's possible. Like, I mean, just like it's possible for me to become an astronaut. You know what I mean? Exactly. But uh, regardless, listen, guys, thanks again for joining us on the Scene Podcast. Episode one is in the books. Look forward to talking to you guys next week and hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. Again, shout out to James, who wasn't here. And of course, to Dalvin. Always have to shout out to Dalvin, founder of the Draft Season Podcast. Don't forget to tune in to our guys on TOJ Live, Badlands. And of course, can't forget about my guy, Will Parkinson. Always crushing it at the TOJ pod. Until next week, Draft Season listeners, take care.